Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. For the last two years, we've been journeying through Genesis as a community, delving into the origin stories and histories of our faith. In this series of Genesis, we step into the patriarchal families of Abraham and continue to see how both the promise of God is fulfilled, but also the brokenness of man. Ultimately, we see that even though we are the great promise breakers, he is the great promise keeper. We pray that this message is a blessing. Good evening. Please be upstanding for the word of the Lord. Today's passage is from Genesis 28, 10 to 22. Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all of that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is the word of the Lord. Is that good? Hello? Hey, I'm good. All right. Wasn't going to say it, but the joke I was going to start with was there's rust in my system. I said it about a year ago. It's still there. But anyway, my name is Dylan. It's such an honor to be opening up God's Word with this shaky pulpit this uh, this evening. Um, If I haven't met you, I am one of the pastors here. I've recently started. I'm currently four weeks in, which is exciting. So I'm loving being here. Um, Aaron and Alex and Jamie, it's so awesome to work with this crew It's not my first stint at being a pastor, so it kind of feels like, in a sense, I'm coming home. Um, But it's awesome. So in the past few years, I've been working as a social worker in child protection. And I was reflecting recently on seasons of transition. I caught up recently with my professional supervisor, which is always just an amazing time. And what I brought to my supervisor was a sense in which I'm processing some things. 
because I'd gone from kind of this hustle and bustle and working in child protection and there's trauma every day and there's all this stuff and, and then I had a few days off and I stopped. And when I stopped, all these things came back to me. There was a sense in which that my, my heart was opening up and I was hit fresh with grief, things that I've been carrying for a few years. And why did that happen? I think that happened because for so many years, I just kept going and going and going and going, but it, this took me to a moment of pausing. And my point for this is that in seasons of transition, we reflect on moments. We actually take a moment and we say, Lord, what is going on in my life right now? The, the, the powerful potency of this was that I hadn't done this in a few years. My history is that I spent years being a pastor, then I became a social worker, and then I was a pastor, and then I was a social worker, and now I'm a pastor again. It's kind of this rhythm goes on in my life, but this is going to be a long season, which would be good. But the point being this, why had I not been able to experience some self-reflection? It's because of this. It's because I had just moted and moted and moted, and then God said, enough, pause. What a thing that we struggle with in the West. We're in the Brisbane city, we're in the peak of the CBD right now, right? Things motor along. If it wasn't raining right now, there'd be so many people. We, we people watch in our office upstairs. Well, I, sorry, I people watch. And I watch people just go past, and everyone's on their phone, and everyone's moving quickly, and nothing's stopping, no one's stopping. And yet something then happens in your life where you pause. It's a moment. Moments are to be used. Moments are to be cultivated. Moments are moments where we can steward something that God wants to do in our hearts and our lives. And it's, it's interesting that I reflect on this because for years, I'd taken people away in retreats where I'd taken them away. We practiced silence, solitude, all these things. We used to take mums away who were experiencing some really horrible things in their family dynamics. And you'd get them out of the place where they were at. You'd take them away a couple of hours away to a nice retreat, and then suddenly they could connect. Mind, body, spirit could connect beautifully. And moments of healing happened. Yet how often do we just move on, push on, not reflect on what's going on, and, and we wonder why nothing's changing in our internal world. We, we wonder why a moment is not leading to encounter. And the story we're going to unpack today is one of encounter. But it starts with a moment. It starts with seeing a moment for what it is and where it's at. There's a TV show on SBS that I love. Yes, I watch SBS. All right, I'm in my third... Well, I'm not yet, almost. I'm a parent of two kids. I love SBS. It's called Alone. Has anyone heard of the show Alone? Yes, that illustration hit. Okay, what is Alone? Alone is this. Alone is a show where, basically, people get placed into a helicopter. They get dropped in these remote areas, and essentially, it's all the kind of ragamuffin people who are like, they're police officers, they're firefighters, they're tradies, right? They're not pastors or lawyers or social workers. These are people who know how to wield a hammer, right? They get dropped down, and what happens is, is that they kind of get dropped off, and there's a million dollars on the other side of this, right? If you're the last person who doesn't press the button, doesn't eject, doesn't leave where you are, you get a million dollars. So they go, they're like, and they have all this documentary going around like all this kind of commentary. So, brother, what do you want to, why do you want to win this? And he's like, oh, I really want to prove to myself and to my wife that I'm tough and that I can work through the trauma and I really want to show myself that all these things that I've done for years in the SAS can come to fruition now. It's kind of like, it's just real like alpha. It's not my jam, but anyway. But interesting thing, last point that I want to have before we get into this text is this. What you see in this show is that one, two, three days in, people are like, yeah, this is awesome, I'm making trees, and I'm cutting down things, and I'm making a fire. 
day four, five, and six comes, people are like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. I want that beer. I want that IPA, that, that West Coast IPA. That's what I want. Day seven, eight, and nine, the camera shifts. And you have men who have been overseas, deployed in Afghanistan, sitting in front of a camera, crying, asking these questions. What the heck is going on? All this trauma that they had pushed down for so long in their lives currently is right in front of them. What's the point? The point is this. Moments are to be used and are to be, cattle, are to be used and to be reflected on. What's a moment in your life that you have going on right at this stage? The point is this, that it would seem that if we as humans can stop and pause for a moment, maybe we would encounter something that would bless our lives. If we could get out of the hustle, if we could stop hustling, stop working the job that hard, maybe there's something there that God would want to show us. So these people, they slow down and they encounter God. But there's also something important about this, and it's this. It's not just about a moment, it's about how you view the moment, because it matters what your lens is. And I want to ask you tonight, when it comes to things of faith and it comes to moments, what's your lens? What is the lens that you put on? You're thinking, Dylan's sweating. I sweat in winter. I'm a sweater. Like three, I'm a three-shirt a day guy, so this is normal for me. What's your lens? Question two, have you ever been in a, in a situation where you've asked yourself, what the heck is going on? Have you ever found yourself in a circumstance, a moment, a situation where your life has flashed before you and you've asked, what is going on? Why do I find myself here? Now, the human heart seeks out, and we want to answer this in a certain way. We might say, it's karma. It's all right, I did this and this happened. We might say, you know, I need to go buy some of those new crystals. Get, vibe that energy. That might be your jam. Or you might be a Christian and you might be like, you know what? I haven't served enough for God. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. The point is, is that not only it's about moments, it's about what lens you put on to view that moment. What is your frame of reference in that moment? So here we find a man, Jacob, in Genesis 28. He comes to a moment. If you want to open up your Bibles, Genesis 28, we're going to kind of walk through the text. So Jacob, his grandpa was Abraham, his dad was Isaac, he's Jacob. In Jacob's life, there was generations of Christians who had known the name of God, Yahweh. Yet Jacob finds himself in a moment where the lineage of his family is not reflected in his life. Have you ever experienced that? Some of you in this room are Christians like Jacob. You're second, third, fourth generation Christians. You can quote the Bible. You can say the right things. You know how to speak in church. You dress well. But you don't know what to do with the moment. You don't know what to do with the moment. What, who is God for you? This is what we're going to find in the story of Jacob. So Jacob, he grew up in a Christian home. He had Christian pedigree. This is my man, Jacob. All right, he's not Dylan Ball in the Uniting Church. He's a pedigreed Uniting Church person. That joke didn't land. Jacob, what's he doing? He's running for his life. Jacob had stolen the blessing off of his brother. Blessings, birthright blessings in those days were huge. His, his brother had come across to receive a blessing from his dad. His brother found out that Jacob kind of snuck his way into there. And as you can imagine, he wasn't all that excited to hear that his brother Jacob had taken the blessing. In that day, in that culture, huge moment. His brother had the wool pulled over his eyes. So Jacob was on the run for his very life. He had to flee. His brother wanted to kill him. What did this do for the life of Jacob? This led him to a moment and a problem. He found himself somewhere where he did not want to be. He had to flee a situation. Thank you. Thanks, man. It's good. He had to, yeah, he had to leave the situation. 
So the big idea that I want to reflect on tonight is that Jacob had one of these days. He was in one of these moments. Have you ever had one of these days and been in one of these moments? Have you ever been in a place where your life, you don't know what's going on, you don't know why you find yourself here? Jacob had one of these moments. And the big idea that I want to reflect on is up on the screen now, and it's this. This is our big idea. No, not up there. It's this. When you find yourself in moments and places you don't want to be, this is often where God wants you to be. I'll say it again. When you find yourself in moments and places you don't want to be, this is where God wants you to be. So this evening, I want to reflect on a journey, the journey of Jacob. I want to highlight a moment. And then, friends, for you and for I, I want to lean into an invitation. I want the Word of God to speak to our current context, our current heart in this moment. So point one, we see that Jacob is on a journey. The point being this, sometimes where you'll find yourself at a given moment is where you need to be found. Verse 10 says this, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He's fleeing. Stuff's not going good for Jacob. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. He needs to pack up tools, right? Sometimes when it's raining, when you're out in the desert, you need to just stop. The weather is your God. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Jacob is not having a good day. I'm sorry, if you need to use a stone for your pillow, you're not having a good day. My kids, they don't sleep. Jonah's five, Elsie's nearly three. Five years of no sleeping. I wake up most mornings in my son's bed with his little pillow like this wedged on my neck. Right, not a good moment, let alone a rock. <laughs> Interesting teaching moment is this. Commentators said that not only did the rock reflect what Jacob's situation was, but secondly, the rock was also and could also have been used as a weapon. Jacob was stuck. He was caught. He was fleeing. Jacob is not having a good day. So for a moment, let's try and tap into what is going on here in Jacob's world and this, how this relates to us. Have you ever experienced that moment in your life? Have you ever found yourself there? Jacob finds himself in this situation. He could be feeling annoyed, frustrated, disillusioned, unsure of why and how he was there. Yet he's forced to pause. Do you pause enough to make sense of your situation, to make sense of your moment? Jacob here finds himself in what scholars call under the sovereignty of God. Right? Weird, weird language. The sovereignty of God is this. Sam Storms, one of my favorite guys, says this. There are no limits to God's rule. This is part of what it means to be God. He is sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. He is never helpless, never frustrated, never at a loss with where you find yourself. Never at a loss. That means you can be anywhere right now, in any circumstance, in any situation, and God knows about it and he says, it's fine. It's not saying that God authors that moment. It's not saying that the suffering that you might be going through is from God, but it says that God's not up in heaven going, Jacob's found himself on a rock. Or Dylan's found himself sweating in the middle of summer on a pulpit. The point's this, God knows. It's the sovereignty of God. It's a beautiful theology. God knows you, he's found you, and he loves you. He continues, Never at a loss with where he finds you. God's awesome design is that his sovereignty is the place we are to feel most reverent. It leads to encounter. And most secure. We're wrapped up in the Father's love. Oh, just breathe that in for a moment. You're wrapped up in God's love. He knows your situation at the moment. And he ends saying, the place we are to feel most reverent, most secure, and most free. Because feeling secure leads to freedom. Healthy attachment with God 
similarly to that of a parent, leads to freedom. That's the sovereignty of God. And some of you might find yourselves in this very place tonight. You might be sitting here saying, you know, I'm studying at QUT. I wanted to be at UQ. Oh, is this not a thing anymore? It was, it was 20 years ago when I was there. You might be saying, I got, I got priced out of the housing market. That's maybe a relevant one. We're all here in our 20s going like, am I going to be renting forever? Right? Okay, just me as well. All right, it's, my life's a bit different. Interesting. You might be saying, I didn't get the grade that I wanted. You might be saying, I don't have the spouse, the child, the job. All of these things which the world tells you that you need to have to feel well. And yet God speaks a better word over your life tonight and he says, my sovereignty is over your life. Where you are found is where I want you and where I have you. Oh, beautiful point. Lovely point. So our hearts cry, this is not where I want to be. But what if this is where God wants you to be? What if the stuff that you've gone through in your life up to this point is exactly where God wants you to be? What if there's been moments where God has held your hand, guided you, like the good shepherd of Psalm 23, he guides you. He lays you down beside still waters. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. What if he wants you tonight to realize that? We don't live in a game of chance. This is not, there's no cause and effect in the kingdom of God. There is God's sovereignty and his warm embrace and his love for you. Just let that wash over you tonight. Are you there where God wants you to be? So sometimes moments of disorientation, disappointment, disillusionment, they give gateways to a moment of encounter. Is where God has you right now, on the other side of this experience, is God going to be on the other side of that, like he was with Jacob? We'll unpack that more. So both of these ways we see there are no formulas in the kingdom of God. There's no cause and effect. There's no karma. It's not about you doing the Holy Ghost two-step, raising your hands in worship, and then God's going to bless you. It's about you being the beloved child of God and finding yourself under the heavenly embrace of your Father where you find yourself in any given moment. You're here. We're here. I can stand up here and sweat in front of you because I'm defined by my Father. Oh. Thanks, Aaron. It's good. So you're where God wants you. But in moments, we need perspective. Because a moment without perspective is a wasted opportunity. So we need perspective. And before we progress, I want to put this to you. Who is God to you? If you're not a Christian in this room and you're new to the things, if you're a skeptic, a seeker, who do you imagine that the God that you might encounter is? If you're a Christian, who is God to you? Do you feel that if you're in a place of denial, if you're in a place of not wholeness, has God left you? Has he forsaken you? Do you measure the blessing of God on your life by material things? Or is God sufficient and enough for you? It matters how we view God. It's the most important thing about us, someone once said, is how we view God. And our view at the moment can lead to amazing things. C.S. Lewis, in one of my favorite books, Miracles, wouldn't suggest starting reading this book as one of your first C.S. Lewis books that you read. It's a bit boring and a bit dense, but it's beautiful. He says this. It's like, when I was 18, new Christian, sorry, sidestep. When I was 18, new Christian, I was like, C.S. Lewis, he's a nanny, this is awesome. I'm going to buy Miracles. I fell asleep every time I read it for the first, like, three months. But he says this, beautiful line. He said, it is always shocking to meet life where we thought we were alone. Isn't that right? It's always shocking. Look out, we cry. It's alive. And therefore, this is at the very point at which so many draw back. At the moment of encounter is where, where God is on the other side of our situation, where life's not going great, is the moment that we often pull back. 
We say, I would have done it so myself if I could, and proceed no further with Christianity. An impersonal God, well and good. There's something safe about that. An impersonal God, well and good. A subjective God of beauty, truth, and goodness inside our own heads. Better still. Just like, let, let that, if you're a Christian, let that speak to you right now. I'm going to read it again. A subjective God of beauty, truth, and goodness inside our own heads. Better still. A formless life force surging through us. A vast power which we can tap best of all. But God himself, alive, pulling at the other end of the cord, perhaps approaching at an infinite speed, the hunter, king, husband, that is quite another matter. There comes a moment when the children who have been playing at at burglars, they hush suddenly. Was that a real footstep in the hall? There comes a moment where people who have been dabbling in religion, which is man's search for God, suddenly draw back. And they suppose, have we really found him? We never meant it to come to that. Better still, suppose he has found us. Suppose God's gotten you to a place in your life where he's found you. What a beautiful moment. So friends, God has led you potentially in this season to a certain place. We then read um, God meeting Jacob. The second thing is the dream. In verse 12 it says this, He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. So there's a dream here. What's going on in this dream? In the Bible, quick teaching moment, in the Bible there are two kind of predominant ways that God speaks to people in supernatural ways. The first is a dream, it's when you're sleeping. The second is a vision, it's when you're awake. God speaks to Jacob on a dream, and in this dream there's a ladder that comes down from heaven. Angels are going up the ladder and down the ladder, and God's there at the ladder. Angels going up, going down. Angels are messengers and ministers to God. What's happening here is that Jacob is having his perspective changed. The supernatural and the natural are converging. In a moment where everything was going wrong in his life, God encounters him at this moment and he opens his eyes. And some of you tonight, you're getting your eyes opened. God's opening up your eyes to himself. God's bringing the supernatural and the natural together. Sam, that's encouraging, brother. I saw you do that. It's hot, eh? Thank you. That's good. So in Genesis 3, I want to take you back. In Genesis 3, Genesis 1 and 2, creation. Genesis 3, the fall. Genesis 3, 8, after Adam and Eve sin, what does God do? God comes down and walks with them. The point here is that it doesn't matter where you've been, it matters where you're going with God. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life, God always comes down. God threw the ladder down. God encountered them right there. But as humans, what we love to do is we like to distort this and we think that we need to work our way up to God. I'm going to give you another verse, Genesis 11, 9. It's called the Tower of Babel. What happens? We're silly. Men and women get the biggest architects in, they build this thing to try and get up to the heavens to encounter God. And God's like, no, it's not about you coming, it's not about you trying to work yourself up to me, it's about me coming down to you. It's about the situation in your life, it's about me as God coming down and being with you because God is not looking for people to work their way up to him. It's just not what he's about. God is looking for people who accept his gift of grace. And some Christians in the room tonight, you need to hear that. You need to loosen up a bit under the grace of God. You need to let the joy of the Lord touch your life again. You do not, the gospel does not call you to get the thing out like this and smack yourself on the back. It's not about how much of the book you read. 
It's how much of the Jesus in the book that you fall in love with and that you love. There's a liberty in Christianity. For too long, Christianity, we wonder why it doesn't touch anyone's life. It's because like, oh, I do this and we do that. No. I serve God from the overflow of what he's done in my life. I serve God because I'm found in God. I serve God because he extended a ladder down to me in my worst moment and opened my eyes to him. That's what God does. He loves you. And Christians, we're meant to be people who are free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus came so that we might have life and life abundantly. We need to get that. That's what it's about. That's the gospel. That's the good news of what Christ has done. And this is where pride is the antithesis of the gospel. Pride does this. Pride positions ourselves at the top of the ladder. We sit at the ladder and we look down and we go, oh, you're not very good. We do it to ourselves. We say, oh, you're a piece of rubbish. We say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. We're at the bottom of the ladder, but it doesn't mean that we're the least of these. It just means that we are positioned under God to access him, to take of his free grace, and to love him. That's what it means to have the ladder extending down to us. And this is what Jacob is getting open to now. And why does this matter? It matters because we live in a world where the dominant discourse is that of you need to achieve something in your life to get success. The ladder shows us that God flips it. The kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is flipped. This is the purpose of the dream. Then, at the moment of despair, the Lord speaks a promise to Jacob. I'm watching the time. Point number three is the promise. In Genesis 28, 13, this is where God says to Jacob, he climbs down to him, and he has a conversation with Jacob. It's going to be up on the screen. He says, Jacob, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west. This is the person who's sleeping on a rock. This is the person who's stolen the birthright of his brother and the blessing of his brother. And God says, I'm going to do some stuff in your life. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I haven't forgotten about you. Who here, like, have you forgotten that God hasn't forgotten about you? Like, he loves you. He knows you by name. There were the same promises that had been given to his grandfather, Abraham, to his father, Isaac. And now Jacob hears from God, and God is saying this, you are in the lineage of my promise. You can run away. You can do whatever you want. It's not condoning sin. We don't sin so that grace may abound. But it's saying that wherever you find yourself, God's there with you. Wherever you find yourself, the ladder is extending down to you. Beautiful, beautiful news. The promise, I am with you. In verse 13, he goes, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised. The promise is this, I am with you. I will keep you. I love you. I'm always going to be with you. Just let that speak to your heart. He's with you. And what God says about you is the most important thing in your life. And if you don't yet know Jesus, I want you to hear this. Jesus loves you. This we know, for the Bible tells us so. It's like really old school. It's really dorky, but just listen to that for a moment. Jesus loves you. The whole point of this book is a love story where Jesus chases after you. He loves you. Jesus loves you. And some of you need to hear this tonight, that God has in fact anointed you, that God has not forgotten about you. That as Romans 11 says, the calling and the gifts of God are irrevocable. We're in a moment, a cultural moment, where we've fallen asleep a bit. Right? We're in a moment where there's been lots of hurt within the church, outside of the church, at your workplace, and we're here wondering, where and when do I make myself vulnerable again? 
Or is that just me? We, we ask the question, we're like, what does this look like? And God says, I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I'm with you. I'm here for you. I love you. He says, I'm with you. I will keep you, and I will carry you safely. He says to Jacob, for I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised. There are promises of God on people in this church that we're going to see in the next season God bring alive. There's people in this room who've run away from ministry, and God's going to take you back. How do I know? So that's, that's a story for another time. Man, I'm there going, I'm never going to do this again, and here I am. Some of you have walked away from Jesus in your relationship, and Jesus is saying, there's going to be a latter moment. You're going to experience something. We're going to see this place here full of people, not for metric's sake, but because we prioritize the identity that people find in Jesus. And God will pour the oil on that as that happens. But my invitation to you tonight is, who are you under God? What does God say about you? Do you take of that? The last point is the invitation. Here we have Jacob put the lens up and the lens on. Verse 16 says this, and I'll invite the band back up now too. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob puts a lens on. Jacob has a moment. God encounters him, and he marks this moment. And my question for you tonight is, is God doing something in your heart tonight? Those who don't yet know Jesus, do you feel Jesus? Do you feel the warmth in your body that maybe you haven't felt before? The promises that's given in verse, verses 13 to 17 become the pathways that Jacob walks on now. He takes hold of those promises and he walks and he does it. And the latter shows us two things. Firstly, we have access to God. Wherever we are, the ladder of heaven is down and you can access Jesus. The second thing that it shows us is this. There's intimacy for us doesn't matter where I am, doesn't matter where I've been, doesn't matter if I fought with my wife on the way here, well, that matters, but you know, like not in the grand scheme of God loving me. None of this matters. It's one of those moments. God's here. He loves it. Thomas Merton says this. He says, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. My fear for us in this moment is that, do, is our ladder against the wrong wall? If you don't know Jesus yet, and you're kind of, you're hearing week in, week out, you're hearing Pastor Alex and other people talk about Jesus, where's your ladder? Is your ladder extended to heaven in a posture of receiving from Jesus? Christian, did you start the journey in faith in Jesus and receiving his free gift of grace, and now you put the ladder up to yourself and you're at the peak of the ladder? Where's your ladder tonight? I want to put a quick call out now at the last minute 44 that I have. And it's for this, for those of you who might not yet know Jesus, I don't want to work this moment up with emotion and hype. I scream because I'm passionate, not because God needs that. In this moment, my question is, do you want to come to know Jesus? In this moment, have you felt the ladder of heaven come down to you? Do you sense that even in this moment? If you were to pause for a moment, can you feel the presence of God? I wonder if every eye is bowed in this moment, whether I ask that question. If you have felt tonight that 
for the first time, there is an invitation to come to know Jesus, to come and to know the intimacy that He has and that He wants for you. If your heart has finally, after many seasons, been able to pause, and you've heard about this God who extended to a broken human like Jacob, and you want to know Jesus tonight, can I encourage you, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, could I encourage you to just lift your hand just in a moment of, thank you, just in a moment of surrender to him, thank you. I wonder now whether we can praise the people of God and celebrate for those who have seen the ladder extended to them and they've, they've taken it. It's an incredibly exciting moment. So let's pray now. Everyone repeat after me. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your love and for your access. We thank you, Lord, that you have reordered and you are reordering my disordered desires. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for a new journey. Amen. Those three people who put their hand up then, can I encourage you, come up and see one of us after. We don't want this to just be a moment. We want to disciple you and, and bring you on the journey of encountering Jesus. Second thing is this, and my last point. As I was praying this week, I came to a moment of reflection where I've had enough of seeing my friends who know Jesus not want to know Jesus anymore. I've had enough of witnessing people who started with Jesus lose that intimacy with Him. And so my call to those of you tonight is, would you be proactive? Is there anyone in this room who wants to become alive with the access that God gives them again? So to answer that, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue worshipping. So Father, in this moment, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news of your son, Jesus. And Lord, my plea and my prayer, even in this moment, Lord, is that would you wake us up again to your love? Would we know again the hunger and the pride that you take in each of us, Lord? For those of us who have served you for years and have found ourselves in church week in, week out, but our hearts have grown old and calloused, would you remove that, Lord? Would you put in our hearts now the oil of your gladness and the love of your presence? I pray, Lord, for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit for each individual in this room, in this moment. I pray all these things in your name. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.